Our scripture for this morning comes from Numbers chapter 11, when the people of God are wandering in the desert with Moses. Listen now for a word from God. The rabble among them had a strong craving, and the Israelites also wept again and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, all at the entrances of their tents. Then the Lord became very angry, and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they come weeping to me and say, give us meat to eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, put me to death at once. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my misery. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, And he gathered 70 elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, you won't believe this, but my dad used to have to walk to school in the snow, barefoot, uphill both ways, and it was several miles. And guess what? He never complained once. He used to tell me all about this. Many times, usually when I would be complaining about some mild inconvenience, something petty. I wonder if anyone else has parents who grew up walking to school uphill both ways in the snow barefoot. Anybody else? Oh, a few of you. Good. Okay. My dad wasn't the only one. It seems to be a common phenomenon. Not just the walking in the snow part, but the whole attitude that goes along with it. And I coined a phrase. I like to call it the back-in-my-day syndrome. And before you point fingers, I think we all suffer from back-in-my-day syndrome. And if you don't think you do yet, you definitely will. But back-in-my-day syndrome 
is when you look back at the past and you glamorize how wonderful things were. You maybe even call some period of time the good old days. Back in my day syndrome is when you reminisce about how tough and how amazing you were and how easy these younger generations have it. Back in my day syndrome is when some part of you longs to get back to life the way it used to be. Back in my day syndrome tends to strike hardest when things in the present get difficult, when we feel challenged, when we have hard circumstances, when we feel like we're losing control, when we're met with feelings of inadequacy. This is why sophomores are always the hardest on incoming freshmen. This is why a phrase like, make America great again, is appealing to people who are tired of the status quo being challenged. This is why we push back against institutional change, because if it worked for me, it'll work for you too. Our text today starts out with a bad case of back-in-my-day syndrome. We're in the time of Moses when the people of God are wandering in the wilderness after having escaped slavery in Egypt, after having crossed the Red Sea, and now they've been going for years. And some fringe members of this Exodus community start to get sick and tired of the manna, the bread that God has provided the bread that rains down from heaven and tastes like honey and gives the people all that they need. They've been wandering, they don't have a lot of variety, and so they start to whine about it. They look back at their time in Egypt and they put on those rose-colored glasses and they say, we remember the fish we used to eat, cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic, and now there's nothing but manna to look at. Somehow they're forgetting about some other key elements of life in Egypt. The lack of freedom, the forced physical labor, the ego of Pharaoh that dictated all of their actions. And now that they're in the desert, it's not that they don't have a reason to be struggling. This nomadic lifestyle would have been very, very difficult. But they've allowed this struggle to callous them, and with their minds so full of back-in-my-days, they don't have room to recognize and be grateful for the provisions that God has given them now. Psychologists have a name for this cognitive phenomenon— what we call rose-colored glasses, they call rosy retrospection. And they say it is the tendency to exaggerate good parts of our memories and to downplay the negative parts. There was an interesting study done not too long ago about people that went on a trip to Disneyland. Maybe you saw something about this. But the researchers followed these people as they went on a Disneyland trip and interviewed them while they were on the trip, shortly after, and then a few more times longer after the trip. And what they found was when people were on the trip and, and immediately following, they had a lot of complaints. They talked a lot about how long the lines were, how they had to wait forever to get on a ride that they were interested in. They talked about how the food did not live up to their expectations. 
They talked about how annoying the weather was, whether it was too hot or too rainy. They had a lot of complaints. But the more time that had passed, the rosier their view about this Disneyland trip was. And by the last interview, they had no memory of some of those things that they'd complained about at the beginning. It was all just wonderful and magical. Rosy retrospection creeps not only into our own personal memories, but into political rhetoric, into the life of the church, and into family and community systems. In some cases, it can be really helpful. Rosy retrospection brings a sense of positivity to issues and situations. Really, what is the harm in looking back on a Disney trip with such joy? I'm fairly certain that without rosy retrospection, nobody would choose to have a second child if they didn't look back on the pain of childbirth and those long nights without some rosy gaps in memory. Sometimes rosy retrospection can be good, but sometimes it does a lot of harm. It keeps us from seeing the blessings of God that are with us in the moment. It prevents us from truly empathizing with one another. And it makes us hesitant to try new things. So as the people of God are weeping about not having meat for dinner, their back-in-my-day syndrome takes Moses to a breaking point. It's the straw that breaks the camel's back for Moses. He is sick of the people complaining. He is sick of having to lead them, and he wants to walk away from it all. In fact, Moses is so sick of it that he says it would be better to die. Like the prophet Jonah, he says, God, just take my life. He tells God that he can't shoulder the burden of these people anymore. Leading people is always difficult. I can't imagine what it would be like to lead people through a decades-long journey in the wilderness. We all know the stress of leadership. Whether you are a boss or a parent or have led a club of some sort or are a pastor, you know how hard leadership is. Several years ago, I had an intern ask me, what, what is pastoral ministry like? And I shared this short story of my first experience as a leader in the church. I wasn't an ordained pastor yet, but I was in charge of a big event at a church. And this event happened, it was the day of, it was set up in an area much like our great hall, and things were going well. There were a lot of people, activity was buzzing, people were enjoying their time, so it seemed. Suddenly, this man came up to me, very, very angry, and he said, this music is way too loud. You're going to drive people out of here. This music is horrible. I don't know who even picked it, but you need to turn this music down. I thought, wow, it it seemed okay to me. I'm just going to go check in with the soundboard people, see what's going on. On my way to the soundboard, a woman came up and said, hey, could you just turn this music up a little bit? It's really great, and I think that it would really help people feel comfortable. If you, could, if you could just maybe bump the volume a little bit. 
And in that moment, I smiled, and I knew the music was probably just fine where it was. This is a lot what leadership feels like sometimes. Between the people complaining about food and Moses complaining about the people, this story feels a lot like siblings in the back seat of a car on a long road trip. And God is not happy about any of it, but shows a way forward. He tells Moses to gather 70 elders to be blessed and to help shoulder some of the burden. This isn't something new. It's something that God has done over and over again with Moses. In the very beginning, when he's called, Moses is not quite sure that he is up to leading, and so God gives him Aaron and Miriam to help. And then in Exodus 18, we have the story of Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, noticing how much Moses is doing and saying, Moses, you're going to burn out if you continue at this pace. So Jethro coaches Moses through selecting leaders, teaching them, empowering them, and allowing them to help with the mediations and the judging of people in conflict. Moses was never meant to do it alone. All of this aside from God's promise to be with Moses throughout and God's showing up over and over and over again when Moses has needed the help. Rosy retrospection and burdens that we try to carry alone keep us from seeing the provision of God that's right in front of our faces. The manna was all that the people really needed. The sweet bread was enough to fill their bellies, to give them the strength that they needed to continue on their journey, to give them all the nutrition that they would have needed. It fell from heaven and it was free. Likewise, Moses had never really been alone. But when cravings come and when things get difficult, people come, become blind to those blessings. And we do as well. I'd like, as we finish, to engage in a thought exercise with you all. I want you to imagine your future self looking back on this very time period. You can imagine the future you however far in advance you'd like. Maybe a month, maybe five years, maybe it's the you looking down from heaven, maybe it's 30 years, whatever version of a future you you'd like to imagine. Imagine future you looking back on this period of your life and saying, ah, those were the good old days. Now, you might be in a really hard season of life, and that's okay. But just play along with this thought exercise. If a future you were to look back at the time period here and now and say, oh, those were the good old days, what do you think future you would be thinking of? Take a moment and think of at least two things in your life right now that a future you might be thinking of when they say, those were the good old days. Maybe you have kids at home. Maybe you have grandchildren living nearby. 
Maybe you have a beloved pet that is still with you. Maybe you have freedom and independence. Maybe you have a level of physical health that you'll come to miss someday. These are the good old days. Friends, this is your map for Thanksgiving, an opportunity to look at the blessings in front of your face right now. Now, I know it isn't all rosy, and even some of those things you might have listed as blessings just now in the moment can feel like burdens and can be weight. Take a moment and think now of the burdens resting on your shoulders, the things that you feel like you're carrying, especially if you feel like you're carrying them alone. What feels crushing right now? Something that, like Moses, is making you want to just give up. My pastor in seminary used to say that the beauty of Christian community is that it's a place where our joys can be multiplied and our burdens can be spread out. I want you to think about those joys that you named and think of who you might share them with. Think about how you might live into them this week and to be so fully present that you know in the moment that this is a good old day. And I want you to think, too, about those burdens and to think how you might ask someone to help you with them, how you might bring them before God, how you might call a neighbor or a friend or a loved one and tell them what's going on and ask them to help shoulder the burden with you. Likewise, who might you check in with about their own burdens? Many of us have friends and family members who we think we know how they might be suffering, but we haven't really talked to them about it. How might you offer to take the weight off someone else's shoulders? I found in my own life that even when I carry some of the weight of my own problems and share it with a friend and carry some of the weight of their problems as well, somehow it still feels less because we're sharing it together. I encourage you to share both the joys and the burdens with at least one other person this week. My greatest hope and prayer is that we are a community that does just that, has multitude of joys that seem to exponentially increase, and that has burdens spread out amongst one another. We all have so many blessings of God in our lives right now, so many that we'll look back someday and see what good old days these were. Know that you don't have to shoulder your burdens alone. Name them, put them down for a while, ask someone to help with them. Remember the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we lay before you the joys, the blessings in our lives that sometimes we are so busy and consumed that we fail to recognize. We lay also at your feet those burdens that make standing difficult. Give us people to share those with and help us to take burdens from one another. Lord, bless us as we seek to be your people. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.